Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty Sessions, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. Please join me as we start liberating dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello there, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Sessions. We're excited today to have Christine Hildebrand with us. Christine, welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and about your two organizations, Emergent and Life Foundations. Thank you so much. I have two organizations and they are representative of my background and experience as well as my passion. And I, right now they're two distinct organizations, but maybe at some time in the future, they'll blend into being one. But the first one is Emergent. And Emergent is a business optimization company that helps entrepreneurs to large corporations with strategic branding and direction. However, we combine it with energetic and spiritual tools and practices that help ignite growth in much more significant ways and also unify an organization around its mission. The second company is Life Foundations, which is really where my personal passion and my journey has led me. And Life Foundations is an educational and empowerment company offering one-on-one and group spirit coaching and leadership mentoring. Do you find that people will come through Emergent and end up in Life Foundations? Like you're in front of an organization through Emergent and then they'll come to you and say, hey, I'd love to learn more about what you can do one-on-one. Does that tend to happen? Yes, absolutely. And it also works in the reverse. Like for instance, I had a leadership mentoring client where we were, um, who she was actually the CEO of a large insurance company where we were doing spirit coaching, but it kind of blurred the lines between spirit coaching and leadership mentoring. And she wanted, she had so much success with bringing these tools, the energetic tools into the boardroom and into decision-making on a, on a high level that she wanted me to work with her leadership team to also develop those practices. And so I, it, it kind of works both directions, actually. And was that intentional, Christine? I mean, did you build these two different organizations to capitalize not only on your gifts, but on how to bridge those two audiences together? No, this is all organic. Um, it, my, my background is in business development and marketing and branding. But as I started working with more and more leadership teams and really understanding the human dynamic that plays out inside of corporations is that there was a fundamental lack of alignment and communication and, and, and every, the vision and the, the, the inherent soul of a company or that passion that drove a company very rarely gets pulled through the team at all levels of the organization and then very rarely it gets pulled into marketing and throughout marketing. And so oftentimes, as, you know, emergence evolved over the years, companies would come to me for a quick fix, like do a direct mail campaign or launch my website or things like that. And I would ask some very vision oriented questions mm-hmm. around, well, who it is that you want to be and what about your why? Um, there's a great Simon Sinek 
TED Talk that I really encourage everyone to look at, which looks at company, regardless of your size, and it's even great for individuals, your why, why your why is so important. Mm-hmm. So Emergent's already been doing this business, but I, that I'm combining more of the spiritual and energetic tools with the traditional tools that we have available to create the alignment between vision team and communication. Could you tell us a little bit, because I'd love to get us all sort of on the same page with what do you mean when you say energetic tools um, and ver- or versus spiritual tools? What, what, are, what is the difference between those? What exactly are those? I'd love for us to kind of be operating from, from the same place. No, that's an awesome question. So, and this is part of the education that I provide clients, and it's a very common question. So what I mean by spirituality and energetic tools is that everything, well, first of all, just looking at energy, energetic tools, and everything possesses energy. You know, Mm -hmm. metaphysics will tell you that everything breaks down as energy. So if a corporation or a business enterprise or commerce enterprise is in the business of generating revenue or, or, or service, servicing their customers, that is an energy. And so what we look for is where is there energetic sort of blocks? Where are there roadblocks? Where is the floodgate not free for movement? And okay. that is both internal um, within the organization as well as external within their communication strategy or how they process their customer service XYZ. Is that what I'm hearing? It's both? Uh, okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so that those energy blocks could happen whether their vision is not clearly articulated to their team and their team doesn't fully endorse it. Or those energetic blocks could be with, are you appropriately in, in, in your optimal strength communicating your, your distinction, your positioning, your inherent value to your end customer mm-hmm. so that they are resonating. You're creating a resonance, right? And I like to describe, you know, a, you know, energy as resonance, just like a music sound wave, or when you throw a pebble into a pond, that ripple effect. Consumers are so savvy to this that if you are resonating or vibrating at their frequency that they, you know, aspire to or agree to, it creates instant loyalty. Some of this is intangible marketing. It's the energy of the communication that goes out. How many of these companies, I mean, I'm trying to in my mind, picture you walking into an office and you articulating what you're saying to us and and how they respond to that. Do they tend to embrace it? Do you go after companies that have a sense of what you're talking about to begin with? Where do you start? Where do you begin in terms of really breaking down what you mean and what the practical application of these energetic and spiritual tools are? So, uh, you know, I mean, this is definitely something that you know, I, I can tailor to any digestible organization mm-hmm. from somebody that is just looking for how do you, how do we maximize our revenue? Mm-hmm. Alignment between vision and team and marketing communications is pr- fairly logical, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, so from, but a, lo- a lot of people sometimes just say, well, there is disconnect and we don't really care. Our marketing is working and we just want to do it. So typically those aren't the clients that are, are attracted to really to, to my work or 
or to aligning their vision and getting all of their people on board. So typically those don't hit the profile client. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I'm saying is that there's organizations that run the gamut and and I can, and the, and the the good thing about it is that I feel like I'm a bridge to the communication. So I can bring in energetic and spiritual language, depending on what the organization can digest. right? Right. So we can talk very literally. And because I've come from the corporate world and I've held those roles, I understand the dynamics and what is workable. Now you have a lot of progressive leaders that are coming through the ranks that actually maybe have done meditation or have done internal work and understand the benefit of energy and want there to not be a disconnect anymore between their personal life and what they value in their personal life and their work environment. And those are the, that's the sweet spot too. And we see that, I think, uh, even just in consumable services, um, like headspace and things like that, where people are more open to those sorts of things and that sort of language. Right. And it's being, it's more commonplace. I mean, Harvard Business Review has done a lot of research around spirituality in corporate settings and what happens to market valuation and, and ROI and shareholder value. And they, they have established that link. So there's a ton of research that is establishing the link between these practices in an organization and actual financial outcomes. So this is not just something that corporations or companies are looking at as a wellness initiative sure. or something that's nice to have. This is now becoming a business strategy to create competitive distinction and to have an advantage. And obviously, to look at the longevity of their workforce. And, you know, there's a lot I can go into why companies are the way they are right now from the industrial revolution, because we're making that shift from human assets being Mm non-commoditized, right, to actually being a value structure inside of a company. I've I've just Um, seen a few, I mean, over the last couple of years, a few um, emails from Seth Godin that kind of reinforces what you're saying. It's interesting. We'll try and see if we can cobble those up as well as some of this Harvard uh, review study so that we can have those links live for our for our listeners. That's fascinating. Thanks for bringing that to our attention. Sure. And I also wanted to come back to your spirituality conversation um, definition because I don't, I wanted to just kind of, um, you know, hit that when, when you wanted to address it. To, to me, it's spirituality at the base is the the definition of is breath and vitality. So it's really not talking about any, it's non-dogmatic. It's not talking about anything religious. Mm -hmm. And for instance, you can have three values, which I connect to spirituality, which are connection, compassion, and contribution. And so if you talk about those values and how they're articulated inside an internal culture, that to me is spirituality in what we're bringing in. However, some other definition might be, well, that's just decent human behavior. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shouldn't we all play fair? Right. And, yeah, exactly. Um, so I, the part of my role, I feel that I am, you know, trailblazing a little bit in, in helping people lower their resistance around the language <clears throat> and that term spirituality, because there's been, so much, you know, baggage around, um, the other part of it. So So. as a business owner, it's sort of curious to me that you would, I mean, 
I guess that's the definition of a trailblazer, but that you took that on and said, I want to incorporate this spiritual component into my work. And that had to have been a difficult step, whether it was going to alienate certain companies from talking to you or just it was going to be a longer sales cycle because you were going to have to explain to them, teach them, educate them what you mean by spirituality. And I loved your breakdown of that earlier. Why did you choose to do that? Why did you choose to put something that other people might view as um, an obstacle in your way? I have to believe it was some core value or some something in you that that brought, that, that that begged for you to do this. Well, and and, it, and that it's been a process, and and I've been in the closet for, for many years. <laughs> we, we all are in some sort of closet, yeah. Right. And, and so it's been definitely a process. The energetic business development model has been in process for 10 years. And I am just now getting to this place. Um, and I think the timing is right with our current political climate, the Me Too movement. I think people are needing context mm. and depth to their work experience. Plus, I am motivated by a firm belief that commerce and business is the platform to lead a revolution, to lead this change that will support human beings and our planet in a much more significant way. Why do you think you it's look through, at, through commerce? I'm so, this is fascinating to me. Well, because we, we have seen the division and the segregation in our political systems globally. Mm -hmm. And so it's sort of to like move, business leaders will be the ones that can make that change? Yes. And is that because That's they have embedded in their organization an ear of an audience? They have consumers that are paying attention? Why do you think that is? Well, first of all, they have the money. Mm, yeah. They have the, <laughs> the, they have the ear. They have the finances. They have the, they have the s lobbyists. Right, mm -hmm. that can go in, in mm -hmm. positive directions as well as not so positive directions for people on the planet. They've got employees internally. They have a constituents of stakeholders um, externally, and so I I, I feel that that and, and also they're the ones that are the decision makers. That when they make a choice, like when you look at a Monsanto choice or a Kaiser Permanente choice, that those choices have radical impact and the ripple effect of impact on all of sure. us. They're able to mobilize people in terms of thought, mindset, in terms of actual, you know, purchasing power. They're able to do something in a way that um, you're not able to do through, through political means. Um, that's interesting. Right. Okay, go on. Keep going. This is fascinating. Taking notes. I also believe that businesses can be successful and incorporate the the business energetic uh, or the spiritual and energetic practices and be profitable. It, we, I, I think we can have it all. Sure. And take care of people and take care of the sure. planet. So for a company, and I'm and I'm mindful of people who are listening who are like. I'm, I'm struggling with this language. So for people who are having a, a hard time digesting that, 
Can you give us some terminology? Like I really loved when you said, I can't remember, it was the three C's. What were those three C's that you said? Um, connection. Yeah. Compassion. Yeah. And contribution. So when you go into a company or for the sake of our listeners, when they hear you say that, I have to believe that's a no brainer. That's really easy to digest, to use your terms. Do you have to distinguish between um, whether it's a one-on-one client or in your emergent um, uh, offerings, service offerings through to companies, do you sort of have to distinguish how you use that language or do you come out and say energetic and spiritual right out of the gate? Or do you sort of start with language that's more digestible and then educate them along the way? It's fascinating to me because you come with a marketing background. So it's not like you're somebody who doesn't know better. This is all very intentional. And I'd love to, I'd love to know, and I'd love our listeners to know how you chose to take that approach and and why you chose to be deliberate when like, like I said, it's something to overcome, even if the, the, even if there's a group of people that are moving in that direction. And we should be um, also clear that you work in the Bay Area. So you're in California where the mindset is slightly different than the rest of the country. And then you're in the Bay Area, which is even more of a niche in terms of my mindset. So how do you choose to approach people? Do you take the more um, layperson language that is that isn't as complicated or isn't as fraught with baggage? Or do you start with the spiritual and the energetic language and then explain sort of educate them in that process? Um, the latter. Um, okay. And, and the emergent is, you know, the, the definition or the description is a, is a business optimization company combining traditional strategic branding and marketing tools, business development tools with energetic and spiritual practices and, uh-huh. and tools to, you know, so it's a combination. So when I say that to people, um, as a business development person, as a consultant, um, they want to know more. Typically I don't, I don't find very many people that just say, Oh, that's weird. Okay. I, I now maybe five years ago, I think that that probably would have happened and it has happened to me. But at the same time, but, but 95, 98% of the people that I'm sharing this business with at various degrees of industries, at various levels in, in, in the company or titles, they want to know more. Yeah. They want to know, how do I leverage the intangible to create tangibility? How, how do I bring this into my people? A lot of people understand and appreciate the value of supporting human resources and, and cultivating. I mean, obviously the wave of wellness has gone through benefits and human resources department. But I have to say too, I'm not the the first person that's been out there talking about it and and nor are there not really strong case studies of companies that are actually doing this. Right. Intel, Google, um, Goldman Sachs. I mean, you're going to have really strong case studies. In fact, Google starts every single one of their their meetings with an intention, three minute moment of silence. I was just going to ask everyone, you, didn't you and I talk about Google? Yeah. So thanks for saying that. So, so finish that. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Finish that. So they start each meeting with an. In- they start each meeting with a, a, and this is something that I also train my clients on how to do because it affects workflow. Right. This is an example 
of spiritual and energetic practices integrated into a company workflow process. So Google will start their meeting. Every meeting is started with a three-minute every you know, timeout intention setting, and it's done silently so that everyone grounds themselves into the present time. They're not pulling in the, you know, the conversation that they just hung up with. They're focused on the agenda that is needed to happen that brought these, this group of people around the table to accomplish together. And so it paves the way for, uh, the 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 agenda at hand to get processed in in a very quick and efficient way. Sure. And you're pulling a hundred percent of the people into the process so that everyone is present. And you know, I mean, we can all say, you know, the 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 the, the distractions from the devices are one of the most largest culprits of pulling us out of presence. And so so I really, I really talk with companies about having some sort of agreement around cell phone use at, at a boardroom table. And, and so it, particularly if there is a, a clear thing that needs to get done, if everyone does focus, then you're, you're just accomplishing things a lot more quickly and efficiently. I'm seeing this, um, exactly what you're describing happen with, I have three kids and it's happening in their schools and their, you know, mindful awareness classes and exactly that we're putting away for the older kids in particular, we're putting away devices, we're paying attention, we're listening to one another, we're, um, having time to journal. And this has been starting from kindergarten. And I, it's curious to me that there's going to be a wave of, of business people to, to, to your point who will have grown up in this, who know this to be kind of standard protocol and who will be, um, more connected to self and connected to one another. So are, is this some form of mindfulness? Can we use that language in this scenario? It's it's absolutely mindfulness. And, and in fact, I'm, I've been creating communication for Wisdom 2.0, the conference up here in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. They're in their ninth year. And I've been working with Soren Gordhammer, who's the founder mm-hmm. of Wisdom 2.0, to, to create communication around what his conference actually does for attendees. And it is, it is mindfulness in a digital age, right? It's, it is mindfulness practices. Um, I am calling them energetic and spiritual and mindfulness sort of interchangeably um, and because they're kind of all pointing in that same general direction. Right. I feel like we're getting an education right now. Thank you. Um, why don't you share a little bit about your kind of personal story? So we know that you came from a corporate marketing um, background before you went into this, but I have to wonder what leads one to go from such a trage- traditional <laughs> trajectory into something that is so um, uh, kind of, when I say self-focused, I don't mean in, in a narcissistic way, but I mean in a really, like really understanding self, really understanding ego, really understanding the outcome of those things, understanding how to bridge the gap between those, you know, the individual, the organization, and then whatever the organization or whoever the organization serves. Like, mm-hmm. what, where did you, what happened? <laughs> what happened? What um, happened? You know, we all have our awakening moments. And I definitely yeah. had mine. And I think, 
you know, we're, we're all living at a time right now that I'm calling it like a consciousness awakening where we're going inside and really evaluating what's important to us. Mm-hmm. And, and so Life Foundations really helps people kind of explore that territory. But for me, you know, I was like all of us, you know, how do I, you know, I was very driven. So I, I, you know, I was born and raised in San Francisco in the Mission District. My grandparents were merchants. My, my parents were very young, raising a young family. And um, I was very driven to not only uh, succeed, but also move forward with my career. I didn't see any distinction between me and my male counterparts, um, even though there was along the way huge hurdles we all have to go over. Um, I um, basically was pursuing those things that looked good on the outside, you know, going to, you know, college and getting the degrees and um, getting the right job title. And I had an experience because I, I worked for Macy's as a buyer. And so when I was in my early 20s, that was my goal. Like I had, I was climbing that mountain. I was going up that hill. And, and when I got there, it was not what I expected. It was totally not what I expected. And to me, that was my first lesson, which I didn't really get at the time of it's not about the destination, it's the journey. Mm. Because I got to do some amazing things. I got to travel to Italy and buy 14 to 18 karat gold. I got to do some really amazing things with fashion and um, and for those I, who don't know, Macy's is uh, still, I think, to this day, kind of the buying program. It's like the MBA of um, the Harvard MBA of buying programs. So it, that was no that was mo- no small feat. Yeah, and I was ha- I was where I was I was happy, and I was pa- I was passionate about my work. But again, you know, it was I was striving for that external validation, and when I didn't get it. And there was a bubble that burst for me. Okay, so that was that was the first one. So I went on and, um, you know, two weeks after I left that buying position, I found out I was pregnant with my first daughter, uh, with my first child, I should say. I have a daughter and a son. And, and so motherhood shifted naturally my values to more inward. But I still had that, I got to look good on the outside bug, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I continued to proceed with that. And certainly, you know, my, my husband at the time, both of us were partners in, in that striving and driving. And we created beautiful things. We had a wonderful home and we had beautiful, we had two beautiful children. And one day in 2002, uh, my son was 10 months old um, and he and, and my daughter were born eight years apart. So there's quite a, a breath there. Um, wasn't sleeping through the night. So I was sleep deprived and I call it the awakening on the driveway. And that's exactly what happened. I had a break. I, everything that I was working toward, whether I, and I, I had four clients at the time, uh, we were building our dream house. I didn't pick the paint colors on time. And that broke something in me. Like everything that I had thought of was going to bring this inward fulfillment actually was creating this very unhappy experience in me. And I'm like, this isn't, I can't continue to move this way. And I think I was, I I can't remember exact, somewhere in my thirties, this happened. And so 
I didn't really realize what was happening then. But out of that experience, I drove myself to Pine Street Clinic in Northern California and worked with this amazing acupuncturist. Her name is Annapurna Brofman. She's in heaven now. But she, through Chinese medicine, helped restore my um, uh, liver and, and, and get me back on track physically to be able to handle what had just happened. And so the process of going there, really realizing what was going, and I said, okay, I have got to start coming from the inside out and really getting connected to what makes me happy and what my passion is and what I'm really called to do here on the planet. And helping others people see their potential, whether it's through life foundations, helping other people live from the inside out or see their potential or really build that relationship with their authentic self, their spirits, or whether I help a company really get into humming along on their authentic mission and their, and take care of people and be responsible. I mean, I feel like that is why I'm here. And mm-hmm. so it's still, the engine is very slowly turning to express that out. I don't want to make it sound like I've arrived because I haven't. This is a work in progress. And, but I know that I'm on the right path. I know that I'm here doing what I was, what I meant to be doing. And I couldn't say that, you know, trying to strive and drive for all of these things that looked great on the outside. And I had them, you have the right cars, you have the right clothes and you have so-called quotes under the right, by the way. (laughs) Um, um, And, and so that really started my mission from moving forward. And then, you know, part of it was getting real about what I needed in a, personal relationship. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm dear friends with my former husband, but our relationship didn't survive that awakening. And, and that's okay. Um, we've transitioned and been amazing co-parents around our, my, our, my daughter and my son and my daughter, and we successfully together helped her navigate, um, recovery um, from an addiction that she had in late high school years. And she's on to be a CEO and, and a founder of, um, of her own company, helping women with mental health and addiction recovery in Northern California called Avery Lane for women. But that's, that, that's a, you know, an amazing, um, very humble, a sort of gratitude I have for for my journey and really setting myself in alignment with my truth and how that it's expressed in in raising my children and and for them to be able to be really connected to who they are on the inside and to support them in their own path of discovery of life. I hear you saying so many things in that, but two of the things that really stand out um, that it's a process and that this wasn't a decision. This wasn't a book that you went through. This wasn't a, you know, the back of a napkin sort of thing. It was a process. And in that process, really finding what you have to give and the people that you have to serve in that. And the other thing that really stood out to me was um, that you said, I haven't arrived yet. And yet you haven't arrived, but in your process, you've been able to build these two organizations. And, and I think sometimes we think that 
there is a, a, uh, that we've arrived at a destination or a decision. And from that is the outgrowth of some sort of organization, you know, um, some company, some nonprofit, whatever. Um, and in your story, it's no, it's ongoing. And as I go, I offer what I have to the people that I can serve. Um, I feel like that's a lesson for all of us. And I think it's easy to listen to this podcast, listen to other podcasts, read business books, whatever, and feel like it's, it's something that you decide. And then from there you begin to build, but in actuality, you're, you're building the whole way and it's, um, shaped and formed by your own personal, um, process as well as what you think you should be doing and who, who you think you should be serving along the way. And I feel like you punctuated something that we probably sort of know, but I feel like you gave it, um, you gave it a person, you gave it some shape. So thank you for sharing that story with us, especially the personal stuff. Absolutely. Um, how, for those of us who are on the, I think I want to start something side, what, what is it that you want those women or men, whoever's listening, but what do, what do you want them to know? Um, what is the piece of wisdom that you would like to share with them, given your own experience? Well, I, I, the first thing is, is trust your gut. Trust that, that voice that you know that is not lying to you. And I'm not talking about your thoughts, right? Because mm-hmm. your, your thoughts, you know, I have, I have one of my teachers, Gina Lake, tells me, I don't believe any of my thoughts. Hmm. And sometimes they are counterproductive. So there's another, it's, it's your gut. It's that, it's that miracle that happens sometime that time, right when you wake up in the morning where you're like, your brain hasn't really clicked in, but you're really standing in that subconscious mind that is really your, your essence, your spirit. And sometimes people get these epiphanies when they're in the shower where their mind is just gone and they're just like, you know, stream of consciousness. So I would say, Find a way to cultivate that, connect to that, and really trust it. Trust yourself. That is the, that is the, the first thing. The second thing is, is that pay attention to what comes your way. Mm-hmm. Like, because, and have a clear intention, right? So if you trust yourself and you're really clear about your intention, and if you're not clear, that's okay. That's something that I help people do, is to get super clear about your intention, and then live that, be that intention, put mantras up all over the house, have messages that you remind you on your bathroom mirror, your car, wherever you need, because you start to resonate at a frequency of attracting that intention. And then pay attention to what shows up on your doorstep. Like I would, I would have opportunities where that would come into my lap when I look back on my path that I didn't give appropriate hospitality to. Hmm. Meaning that if they were a guest that came to my house, I would treat them a lot better than some of the opportunities that showed up for me. So I would pay attention to the opportunities that are coming, whether it be a person or you hear about a seminar or you're listening to this (laughs) podcast or something, you know, pay attention to the intersection of why is this intersecting me right now? Why did this come and show up? Ask the question, because asking the question can deliver more of that higher innate intelligence versus having your analyzer chew on it. Because we all like, oh, I'm going to make a list and I'm going to do the good things and the bad things. Well, that's your brain talking. 
you know, and I, we have to do that evaluation sometimes, but I'm suggesting that people trust their innate intelligence, which is their something other than their analyzer. That's it's not their ego. It's their, it's their, it's something deeper inside of them. And we all sure, have it. Sure. I, lo- I, I think that if we went back and listened to every podcast, I, I would say one out of every, well, maybe, maybe 80% at some point say, trust your gut. And you're the first um, person who's defined what that means and how, how we distinguish that from our, from our thoughts. Um, and thank you for that. Giving us something to think about or to, What's the think version of gut thought? What's a gut thought? You need to coin that. Come up with that and coin it. Well, you sit with it. You sit with it and you're, it's, it's your beingness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's your being state of just like, well, you know what? I'm just going to sit with that concept, you know? And next time you have a decision to make, try sitting with it. Try going on a meditative walk. Try going on a hike. Try getting a massage. Try, try physical exercise. And ha- be processing that decision through that those experiences versus the typical thing that we'll do. So pluses and minuses, or we'll analyze it sure. on paper, or worse yet, we'll ask other people's opinions and then make our decision based, based on, on someone else's yeah. p- opinion, which is oftentimes overlaying their fears, their programming onto your circumstance. And <clears throat> you know, some of those influencers play a larger role than they really need to. Um, because at the end of the day, this is your path. Sure. So this is the part in the interview where we transition, but you've already transitioned us. You're already giving us tips. So I'm going to just keep going with this. Um, one thing I'm mindful of is as, as people are listening, especially people who, um, are, currently in your situation where there's two platforms that they're managing or they're thinking about, they have one and they're thinking about, uh, you know, uh, reviving something else or building something else so that they would be in your very same position of running two platforms. How do you recommend that they split that energy or do you, do you go back and forth and focus on one for a while and then focus on the other? Like, how do you, how do you navigate that? Well, I used to feel like Jekyll and Hyde. And I, and it does kind of feel that way sometimes, but it's still, I'm still talking about the same thing. And as you're even listening, there's definitely a common theme, whether I'm, my audience is a corporation or a company or whether my audience is, um, um, just an individual that really wants to get, have a greater sense of themselves and be able to express their life from that wisdom. Um, in terms of running two platforms, I think that ideally, I, and I kind of see these on p- two parallel tracks, and they're going to probably converge somewhere down mm-hmm. the, the train. But I, but I, you know, like, for instance, you know, um, I, I was a speaker at, at um, your conference in 2012. Mm-hmm. And I spoke on emergent, and I spoke on life foundations. And I had so many people come up to me in the conference to say, you know, you were just so much more alive on the life foundation stuff. Oh, funny. And we're talking about business trends. We were talking about business trends. It was before energetic business development on the immersion side. And we were talking about business trends. And, and, and that really resonated with me. I still think about that because that was the mirror to me. Like, where do I stand in my light the most? And there's this great teacher out of the United Kingdom named Rebecca Campbell. 
And she's, she wrote a book called Light is the New Black. And she talks about, and I think any entrepreneur that is confused about some of these, um, how to apply some of these, she really helps people ignite their light. And it, it, do you expand or are you contracting? And, and that's a great way to make decisions in terms of coming from that's your spirit versus your mind. I thank you for that recommendation. And, and we will have that uh, book on the, on the show listed on the show notes as well. Um, so something that you just said is you heard a lot of people or a lot of people gave you feedback. Um, and I, I think it's interesting to make the distinction that feedback is different than advice feedback, people saying, so you had said earlier, be careful, you know, in checking with your gut and making those decisions that you're not necessarily asking other people for their opinions. Uh, I think that's how you phrased it. But then, and I, and I agree and appreciate that, but that's very different than getting feedback. And I think feedback is really important to be able to gather that information so that it informs you not to make a certain decision, you know, yes or no, but just that it informs you that you have all the information you need to check your gut, that you have all the information you need to, to, um, to make a decision about yourself or about your customer or about somebody you're going to hire or whatever. Um, it, you know, it's, it, I like that you were able to say one thing and then also say, but it's interesting. I had all this feedback and, and I, that gave me pause. And even all these years later, I still recall that or remember that. Right. And I think you're right. The distinction between opinion and feedback is totally different. I, um, one is someone's opinion and the other one is, is, you know, just hearing some unsolicited, unsolicited sort of response to your work. And, but I, either way, if both of those things are coming into your own filter you know when it hits that, you know, that prism of truth. You, it, it's sort of like a bell that goes off. You know when something is true, even sure. if you don't really have the capacity to face it in that time. Like that feedback that I got, I knew that was true, but I, I've had doubts. Like I've had doubts. Am I going to be able to support myself and go out I know I have something to offer energetically and spiritually with people and to have these conversations. And I've learned since then that I'm a bridge. I'm a bridge between the corporate and the traditional way and this new paradigm. And I can be a bridge for those and to help people cross that bridge that are willing and wanting to cross. So to me, there's, I've, I've re- resolved the differences between emergent because I am one person and in life foundations right now. And I, and it's because I brought this energetic business development model more out into the forefront um, that I feel like it is one platform, but it's really two different audiences. I, I was just going to say, it's the same work. It's the same service. It's just disseminated to do two different groups of people. And therefore, the mechanism in which you deliver that information is slightly different or whatever. But it, it, is, it is of one mind. Right. Um, and I think that's a, I think that's important as people think about having multiple platforms, like how do those things work together? How do they for, inform one another? I want to capitalize in this particular section of the interview um, on we just kind of pick your brain a little bit. And for, for those of us who are one, two, three, five employees, you know, including oneself, um, th- that size team, what can we 
learn from you about energetic, energetic business development in terms of, okay, within the team, we're going to start to do this, this kind of practice. And then this is going to inform how we, the outcome of the product that we're creating or the service we're creating. And then this is going to really somehow bleed into our customers. Like what's a practice that we can incorporate uh, that you would recommend that we, we try? Um, well, the first thing is, is that all employees that work for a company, whether you're, you know, an entrepreneur or small under 10 employees or whether you're multi thousands of employees is that everybody wants, um, you know, to make a contribution and to have a connection, um, and to have shared values. Right. And so if you are creating this, I also feel like it's important to, have your, your employees involved in shared value. Like what are your values? I want to understand your values and how do they overlap with what we're trying to do here? Giving them a sense of actually having them see themselves inside the company. They're involved. I mean, I've executed this with a mid-sized company and their growth catapulted because they had more involvement at mid-level management level with the the cultivation of their strategic direction, their mission, vision, value. They actually, I facilitated them through creating it, like the people created it, and I kind of guided them. But in terms of like spirit, like the practices, I think in addition to getting them involved, it's like look at your energetic space. How do you arrive at work? What kind of tone do you set? energetically as the leader of an organization what kind of environment are you creating you know i mean fresh flowers and and natural light go a long way of helping people feel um energized right Mm -hmm. um asking people what do you think you know pulling out uh collaboration so that you do get those three c's of connection and compassion and contribution as part of the fabric of how you're operating um, and and creating in your in your business. So spend, it sounds like it's spending time really getting to know every person on the team and and kind of where their value is in terms of how they value themselves as participating in the team and and how they value where the business is going. Is is that? Well, is that what we should be doing? I I think some of those decisions are probably up to the leader of the organization. But you want to you want to be able to solicit feedback, right? You want to be able to solicit feedback. I think it's, you know, if you already have an established business, Mm -hmm. I think the first thing is, is like, you know, are you feeling connected to what's going on here? And if you're not, what do we need to do? Are you feeling like you are making enough of a contribution that is fulfilling to you. And if you're not, we need to look at that. Um, and getting them involved in the overall, um, process. So you're kind of pulling information and pulling them into, and then also articulating your vision. Like I don't, you know, some leaders and, and may keep it to themselves. In other words, like, okay, let's look at if these are our values, how do we express them? You know, if your value is innovation, how does that express itself? Mm-hmm. In, inside you. If your value is compassion, then how does that express itself? Um, so those are, involvement is, is definitely can happen on a multiple level. The other piece of it is that there's an opportunity for small companies is to try one of these Google practices and saying, okay, we're just going to take a moment of silence and we're going to focus on this agenda that we've got to get accomplished here today. 
and we're going to just talk about it. We're going to create that five-minute space at the beginning of the meeting versus jumping right in to just really understand what it is we want to get accomplished. You're bringing your team into present time. Remember, we're dealing with human beings, and there's a lot of different dynamics going on in our brains and in, you know, multiple layers of, you know, our roles. We all are very busy and moving very fast. So in order to get optimal productivity, you really have to just slow down sure. and slow everyone down and, and take that mindful minute to, to focus on your intention and focus on what the collaborate, what are we trying to accomplish today? get everyone in agreement on what we're trying to accomplish. And then you go and then, you know, your hour meeting is now 30 minutes. So it sounds like a baby step could be just incorporating that three to five minutes at the beginning of a meeting. And then perhaps the, the second level would be to find a way to make sure that other people in the team feel heard and feel like they're adding value and participating. But it sounds like you're cautioning us also that at the end of the day, the the decision is the whoever is responsible for the business. Um, and so maybe be careful because I can imagine a scenario in which you open it up and I've been on organizations or in part of organizations where this happens, it's opened up. People volunteer these great ideas. They participate, they show their value. And then those ideas aren't realized or no one jumps on him. And then it feels, you almost feel worse than you would have felt had you not said anything. And so I feel like there's a, you're, you're cautioning us a little bit. Um, in it's, this isn't an idea fest necessarily. This is a bringing people in and understanding, um, how they need to feel more connected to the vision of the company. Correct. Okay. Correct. And there's, if you imagine a Venn diagram and you have, you know, individual, you know, employee values and your values as a company, where are their overlaps? And there's definitely overlaps. Yeah. You know, there's definitely overlaps. So how are those are, maybe you talk about, okay, these are our shared values. How are we living those inside the organization? That to me is what you pull them into. Like what, well, we can't like, you know, go to, you know, the baseball park and work from the baseball park Monday through Friday, but we can do, you know, uh, you know, once a season, we can take the team to a game. Sure. Sure. You know, and, that's and the then kind hopefully of thing. that that translates to their their customer, that that sort of enthusiasm for the work ultimately translates to the customer feeling it's it's sort of we feel connected to that brand, that company. Um and and hopefully when those when when a when a consumer right, feels because connected. it's an expression of sure. them. They add sure. their own personality and sure. passion to what you know when they're delivering it in your brand to the consumer for sure. So that's, that's a little bit of what we can do as an organization. Now I want you to put your life foundations hat on. And you talk a lot about reframing success and you and I've had this conversation. What can you do? What tool can you give us to help us start to consider what our own success looks like and to get us into this sort of mental reset of what success for us is. Because I think like you said early on in the program, you talked about the house, the kids, the husband, the the clothes, the the job titles, the education. And and that defined for you what success was. How do we what what's a really practical, just one one exercise or something that's really practical, a really practical way for us to reset um, our own minds around what success is for us. Gratitude journals. 
Really? I mean, I mean, we, yeah. we've heard about I mean, this. This is yeah, not new. I know. So, Oprah yeah. talks about it <laughs> as being the thing. And you know what? I have, I have got, I've had the same response to this too, but I've done a little experiment since the beginning of the year and it really, really helps. Why? I write, I write, okay. So I write every night in my gratitude journal about like what I was grateful for that day. And like that happened, you know, like tonight I'll probably say, I got to do a cool podcast on Liberty Sessions with Netta Jones. You better. <laughs> I... For sure. For sure. I'm totally, (laughs) (laughs) I am totally, totally. So what happens with that though? And then I will remember, like, I just had the most amazing conversation with my son around, Mm -hmm. you know, his relationships Mm -hmm. or, you know, just little things. And it doesn't have to take a lot of time, but guess what? You are creating an energetic frequency and vibration for dream time. Hmm. People don't think about this. Like you go to bed with gratitude as opposed to worry, fear, doubt. I didn't do good enough. I'm exhausted. Um, I didn't exercise today. All of those negative talks. Because what happens with gratitude, gratitude is a frequency that attracts abundance. And that's why Oprah, lo- you know, and that's not the only reason why she loves it. It, it, it's, it really does work. And, and, and well, I would always say to myself, well, I'm grateful. I think grateful thoughts all day long. I don't need to write in a journal. Sure. But it really does shift um, the experience. The other tool I highly recommend people doing is to do what I call a let go and no list, which is basically you write down, like if you've had a rough day or you write down all the energy on a piece of paper and then you burn it. Oh, Yeah. I know, I actually know, um, someone who did this with a child. So their, you know, young elementary age son was bullied about something, something specific about his person. And when he came home, he was really upset. So she had him write it all out. And then that night they did a little bonfire in their backyard and they burned it. Um, and she talked about now it's gone. All that stuff that was said is gone. And we're going to write a new kind of a, a new chapter in your mind. Right. And she wrote all these wonderful things about him. And I thought, oh, my gosh. I mean, first of all, that's what an awesome parent. Right. <laughs> but uh, just w- how can we all do those things and how can we all hold on to those things and let go of those things that I, I are not true. I'm not talking about things that are true that we need to face. Um, we, we shouldn't burn those. We should deal with those. They, they but I'm create talking about beliefs, those things that we let go. Yeah. And they create beliefs. Like he would be walking around the energy of I'm a bully. I'm a victim. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's what she so powerfully as a gift gave her son. Yeah. Is and 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 we, if we don't, if we don't take care of the negative energy that we all process, whether it be a disappointment or a a difficult conversation is if we don't eliminate that from our field, then we're resonating and attracting that to come in more into our field. And, and that's what we don't want. That's why I'm saying gratitude is the frequency of attracting your, what you want to create in your life. And it's not so much as doing the task that may feel arduous of doing a journal, 
but you're tapping into the frequency and the withhold the you know the let go and no list when you when you really burn all of that you're excreting all of that negative frequency so you're not creating through it and i like the intentionality of it too i think there's so many things that we don't even know we need to let go of but when we create that time and space to put pen to paper and then to actively you know to to literally burn it that the intentionality helps us to separate what's real from not when what's not real from what we want to hang on to um, about ourselves, about our ego, about who we are, who we are in the world, who we are re- relative to other people. I, I like that that intention becomes um, the kind of practice that gives us not only pause, but but a, a real sense of who we are or a real look into who we are. So I appreciate So we got two. I asked you for one and you gave us two. This is really just right. too much. And that one thing that I want to add to that is remember that we're spirits having a human journey. Mm-hmm. So the human part of it is very connected to our minds and our ego. That's the human experience, the emotional mm-hmm. part. But our, we are spirits and we can't forget that that light exists in each one of us to cultivate and bring out the way we feel comfortable. Um, and, and so just to be aware of, you know, when we expand and feel lightness, that's usually a good thing. I was going to ask for a, a piece of parting advice, but I think you just gave it. That was brilliant and beautiful. Thank you for that. Um, and there's, you've listed so many different, uh, references, resources, tools for us. So uh, again, to our listeners, we will have all of those in the show notes. Before we wind this up, though, we're not letting you off the hook. We always end with this little silly sort of quick six. And it's just a way for our audience to get to know you um, on a more fun level, I guess. So I'm going to ask you six questions just quickly. um, Whatever comes to mind, give us your answer. So do you prefer a nine to five or a flex schedule? Oh, flex for sure. <laughs> I love that. Everybody who says flex says, oh, flex. It's like, it's part of the sentence. Oh, flex. Um, mountains or beach? Vacation in the mountains or the beach? Beach. Uh, work from home or office? Work from home. Uh, work alone or with a team? Always with a team. Even though you do a lot of, I would say your life foundations work is probably a lot of like solo work, right? It's one-on-one, okay. but where I feel, yeah, where things get much more rich is, you know, when you have, whether I have my own team right now, I'm forming a think tank for this work to bring it out into corporations. Um, a lot of people that are in the space of bringing spirituality in the workplace. And I'd much rather be in teams yeah. for sure. I love that. Okay. I think the hardest question, do you prefer Thai or Mexican food? Well, I'm Spanish, so um, I'm going to say Mexican. <laughs> well, that was that was too easy. It, and does it have to be spicy or no? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay, okay. Jalapenos. Yeah, exactly. And then this um, podcast is called Liberty Sessions. Our company is called Liberty. And our um, intention in naming it that was that we want women to feel liberated in pursuing whatever venture um, whatever dream venture they feel like they need to be pursuing or want to want to be pursuing, want to check out. What does it mean for you to be liberated, Christine? Living life from spirit and service to others. Living life from spirit and service to others. I'm going to ask you to define what living life from spirit means. Living life from spirit is my own inner intelligence, mm-hmm. my, you okay. know, my essence. 
what I know to be true. I love that. I love that. But in service to others, to me, is the, the probably the more important part of that. What I couldn't do in service to others unless I was already living and coming from the inside out because I, I'm not necessarily giving, depleting myself as I am sure. in service to others. Sure. Sure. Um, but yeah, to be in service for sure is liberty. Well, we, we're glad that you are. Um, thank you for serving us and giving us this education. Um, and we will also have, uh, Christine's Life Foundations and Emergent, uh, websites in the show notes. So if anyone wants to get a hold of Christine, you just got to check out the show notes. Thank you, Christine, for spending this time with us. And thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Of course. It's been a pleasure. And thank you, Liberty listeners, for spending this time with us as well. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Liberty Sessions is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty Sessions on Apple Podcast. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to launch and grow your own ventures. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Liberty For Her. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty Sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty Sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Windham and music by Jordan Flower.